Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. I'll tell you why this is a great day. Well, a lot of reasons. It's a football Friday. There's so much sports going on right now. Something I missed so much over the summer. And we have it and it's fun. And I've got not one but two shows that I can talk about it with. And that's what makes today great. Because one of my favorite people in the world is Ryan Clark. And not only did I get to spend two hours with him this morning, but I get to talk football with him right now. He's on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Hello again, RC. What's up, my man? How you doing? Well, I feel a little stupid, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, for any of you who watch our TV show in the morning, one of our favorite things to do is that Ryan Clark, who is a fabulous Twitter follow, uh, tweets a lot. And we have a segment called Explain Your Tweets, where you have all of these really fascinating (laughs) tweets And I read them, and everyone finds it funny the way I read them. But today, one of them was a movie reference to the legendary movie New Jack City, and I did not put it together in my head at all. And you were referring to the Dada Man, and I called it the Doo-Doo Man. And now, as I was driving home, I'm getting mocked left and right on Twitter, RC, and I just want you to know that. Hey, you're welcome, Greeny. Listen, I just want want to make sure we do it for the culture. You know, we had Culture Wednesday. And you had really come along last year. So I just want to keep making sure we're updating you on what it's been. And you know what I mean? The Dutter Man, he's, he's a classic. Uh, you know what's, what's, what's really fascinating about him is I actually uh, got to meet his father. His father is a legendary scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, William Nunn. And so he was Art Rooney Jr.'s best friend, and he would always walk around. And I kind of wonder why this man was untouchable. And it was crazy because Kimberly Martin wrote an article about his father last week. And so that's what put it fresh on my mind and uh, kind of why I used it. Because, you know, the actor, I, we've seen him around the facility. And when you called him doo-doo man, I was like, man, look at Greeny. Only, but that, that's, the fun, that's the fun of the segment, though, Greeny. Me typing words that probably aren't supposed to be spelled that way. And you reading them in the fascinating Greeny way, man. So that was just another moment. Uh, that we got to have, and they got to put that in the montage now, though, because we definitely need to get you saying the doo-doo man on New Jack City. I agree. I, th- I think and we need to update the montage, and, and, and that one belongs in there. Right? Greeny and RC presented by Progressive Insurance. So we started the show this morning, and let's start it here, talking about last night's game, which I think we had built up to be a referendum on Baker Mayfield and his ability to be the starting quarterback and effectively for this Cleveland Browns team, what what do you what did you take from last night relative to that? Um, I took that it's not necessarily about Baker Greeny as much as it's about Kevin Stefanski, right? Kevin Stefanski was supposed to come in here, come in there and, and fix Baker Mayfield, which they thought Freddie Kitchens was the man to do. But if you look at coming off of his rookie year, we saw Baker Mayfield break you know, the, the, the touchdown rookie record and have a great season and be so explosive and accurate and so exciting and, you know, quote-unquote dangerous. And I felt like they came in the next year to build the team around him, not necessarily build the offense that helps him out the most, that protects Baker Mayfield from Baker Mayfield and highlights what he does well. But let's go out and get all these weapons and fling it all around the field. Well, Kevin Stefanski was brought in to change that. He was brought in to run the football first, like we saw with Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins last year in Minnesota. And then off of that, go to the play-action pass where we've seen Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen get deep and make huge plays in the passing game. Well, that's what we saw last night. 
not necessarily that this is going to be Baker Mayfield we see every week or that Baker Mayfield is going to be this good for the remainder of his career, but that this is the type of offense where he's best. Kevin Stefanski started out with quick passing game, allowing Baker to feel good, almost like watching a three-point shooter get to the free throw line so he could see the ball go in the net. And then when he had one-on-one coverage outside with one of the most explosive wide receivers of the game, Odell Beckham Jr., he got him outside of the pocket for the Dutter Man stutter move and threw a touchdown. That's what we <laughs> need to see from the Cleveland Browns. That's what we need to see from an offensive play-calling standpoint. And we finally got it, and he was better. But then you look at the second half, instead of saying, you know what, let's all have, get around the fire and have a kumbaya and watch Baker pile up the yardage and throw it on the Cincinnati Bengals. Kevin Stefanski said, but wait, wait, wait. I got Nick Chubb. I got Kareem Hunt. They can't stop the run. Let's pound the football until we score instead of trying to make Baker Mayfield feel good. Because you know what makes him feel good? Not throwing more interceptions like he threw to William Jackson or not having multiple interceptions in the game or throwing interceptions in the fourth quarter like we saw him do so many times last year. Kevin Stefanski understood that. He stuck with the game plan, and that's why they won. That's why Baker Mayfield played better. So this is about the play calling, not the player. Yeah, I agree with every word of that. And it leaves me wondering about Odell Beckham. So Odell Beckham is one of the most famous people in football. He's one of the very few football stars that isn't a quarterback that has sort of crossed over into the mainstream of fame. For the most part, the football players who become famous beyond football fans are quarterbacks. Odell is one of the very few guys who has done that. And you're one of the very few people I know who really knows him. And, and he's, 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 not, he's not someone I can totally figure out. So it, it, I'm asking you if his performance, I asked you about him this morning, and you said you know he was bringing two sa- a safety with him all over the place. They had mm-hmm. to double him. He was an important factor in the game last night, even if his numbers and his targets weren't what we might expect them to be. What is your sense of how he will be with that if – that's what the offensive philosophy becomes. If it really is run Chubb and run Hunt and let Odell, you know, sort of free things up for them and make plays wherever he can, how do you think that goes? I, th- I think it goes well. Um, he was on uh, with Mav Carter, uh, LeBron's partner, and he, and he said, you know, he feels mm-hmm. that peace. He, he's ready to kill. He understands how he had to approach each day. They so learned that from Kobe passing and then paying attention to his life and the way he attacked. I think he feels prepared to win. I also believe that feels that I feel that he's in the place to understand what winning takes, and if it takes him getting a hundred yards or getting eight carries, or I mean, or eight, eight attempts to win, or if it takes him only having four catches but having seventy-four yards and a touchdown, and then Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb winning the game on the ground in the second half, I believe he's okay with that. But he has to be a part of the plan, Greeny. I think last year, if you look at what Freddie Kitchens would do, they were force feeding him the ball throwing him the ball when they had safeties leaning his way, putting him in actually tough situations to make catches and then being frustrated with himself because he wasn't or being frustrated with the way that the offense was moving. They can't build this offense around making Odell Beckham Jr. happy, but what they can do is give him an understanding of why they are building the offense this way. I know you shouldn't have to go into a building as a head coach and say, hey, man, we want you to feel good, so here's what we're doing. But you do go into the building and treat special talents a different way. We treated Troy Palomalu a different way, and we actually didn't have to because he's the sweetest, most humble human I've ever been around. But because he was that special talent, there were things that he was allowed to do. There were ways he was treated that was different than everybody else. 
because everybody will be treated fair but not the same. Odell Beckham Jr. needs to be a part of how they plan so he understands how he's being used. And I think if they do that, he will be fine with the amount of attempts he gets and the amount of catches he gets because they know that he's an integral part of the offense. I hope so. I hope it works out because he's such a dynamic talent. Watching him when he was in New York, I think I saw every snap he ever took. I thought if you were making a list of of the best players in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins and Julio, he was right there. He was that level of good. Right. And and they find ways like like I'm sure defenses are focused on DeAndre Hopkins and they still in Arizona last week threw him 16 balls and he caught 14 of them. So there's a way to make that work if, if you decide you want to make it work. And it makes me wonder, maybe they don't have the quarterback to get it done. Yeah, you know, I think the, the other piece of it is when you look at a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or you look at a guy like Michael Thomas, who get they get a ton of targets. If you, mm-hmm. if you look at their targets, they're usually different targets than Odell Beckham Jr. gets because of his explosiveness, because of his special talent. And I'm not saying that those guys aren't special. Those guys are extremely good wide receivers. But when you look at them, you don't see the explosiveness you see in an Odell Beckham Jr. or you see in a Julio Jones. And sometimes you ask guys like that to run more difficult routes. Sometimes you ask guys like that to get down the field where they can be doubled. I actually tweeted about it this morning about DeAndre Hopkins. I was watching it before our show. I rewatched the game. The first pass was a five-yard out. The next pass to him was a quick screen pass behind the line just to make sure he touched the ball. And then they get him on the backside one-on-one and throw him a hitch. Everything wasn't explosive, but he continued to have the ball in his hands until late in the fourth quarter he catches the ball and scores. And so I think it's not necessarily about whether or not they get the attempts that you're used to. It's just about making sure they get safe footballs to catch. And I feel like Freddie Kitchens didn't do that with Odell Beckham Jr., but the Giants did. Remember, how many slants did you see Odell Beckham Jr. take to the house in New York with Eli Manning? It was a ton. I felt because like it was a million. It was a million, right, because it was an easy catch, and then he could get yards after the catch. He needs to be used more that way than what we saw last year and what we sometimes see him use because people say, as Kevin Stefanski mentioned uh, before the Baltimore Ravens game I heard on, the, uh, tel- on the, uh, the, the telecast, he said he has the most bounce of any player I've ever been around. Sometimes you see that and you want guys to do extraordinary things instead of doing the simple just to get the ball in their hands. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's sort of making my point for me, which is the Giants found ways to get him the ball all the time. He had he touched. It felt like they threw him the ball on at least once on every series. They never had the ball that they didn't at least create something for him. And so, look, we'll just we'll see. I mean, the receivers want to get. They're very hard fast. This is what Chris Carter once told me. You know, my buddy CC. He once on, on the old show on Mike and Mike. He once said the wide receiver only cares about two things: me and my money. And those are the those are the two things the wide receiver is worried about, and I get it. That's their lot in life, and that's how they, they they do their thing. And as far as they're concerned, everyone in the stadium is there to see them do their thing. I get it. That's the mentality, and the great ones, it does work for them. And I, I just the Giants found a way to do that. And you, of all franchises, you wouldn't think they would. I, I I will be interested to see how this thing goes moving forward. Meanwhile. Another thing I brought up with you today, R.C., and I'm sure a lot of your old friends were not happy with you, is I said (laughs) that I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are part of a big three in the AFC. It is not a big two. It is not just Kansas City and Baltimore. I think with that defense, and if anyone should know about great Pittsburgh defenses, it is you, that that defense is so good 
that with Ben and Juju and, and a combination of Connor and Benny Snell who can run it, I remember him from college, he's a good player, that I think that's enough offense with that defense to give them a legit shot. I think it's a big three in the AFC. Tell me why you don't see it that way. I, I, I think they have a legit shot. That's for sure. I, I picked them to challenge both the Baltimore Ravens to win the AFC North, but I had the Baltimore Ravens a little bit ahead of them. I think that offensively, I know more about the Ravens than I do the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got to remember, this is the first year without Antonio Brown and a a healthy Big Ben. Last year, I mean, last year we didn't get to see that. And so, yeah, it was a solid first game, but it wasn't a great first game. The type of offense we've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens is explosive. And they definitely have a defense that can slow those teams down. They have a defense that can play with those teams create turnovers, create pressure, and maybe not let them be as explosive as we're used to seeing them. But on the other side of that, can they score? We watched the Baltimore Ravens totally suffocate a Cleveland Browns team that looked pretty good offensively last night. We saw the Kansas City Chiefs down the stretch last year find ways to stop teams that gave Patrick Mahomes opportunities to win. Can the Pittsburgh Steelers compete with that? Can they score with that? I think defensively you are 100% on it, Greeny. They are good enough, but are they good enough offensively? I haven't seen enough in just one game against the New York Giants, who, let's face it, aren't very good. And so going forward, I need to see this offense mature as it is put together. And so to me, it's a big two. It's a 1A, Kansas City Chiefs, 1B, Baltimore Ravens, a little separation, and then number two leading the rest of the pack is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you're not very far off. I just think you're a little ahead of yourself. All right, we'll see. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Ryan Clark with me on the Shell Penzel Performance Line. One more thing, and then I want to do story time before I let you go. But the one more thing is, I think I'm actually afraid of what Aaron Donald might do to Carson Wentz this week. (laughs) We showed video on Get Up this week of Aaron Donald, what he did to members of the Dallas Cowboys offensive line was I'm not 100% sure I've ever seen an NFL defensive player do that before. And I've always said the best defensive player I've ever seen with my own eyes was Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor wrecked games like I've never seen. And there there are a ton of great ones, obviously. Reggie White was great, and in a different way, Deion Sanders and Darrell Rivas and people like that. But what, what Lawrence Taylor did to people was frightening, and he just ruined games. I think Aaron Donald might be in that level. There was one play that he just picked up Zeke Elliott and tackled the quarterback with him. And I'm not sure I've ever seen that before. What should we expect him to do against a beat-up offensive line and a quarterback in Carson Wentz who tends to hold on to the ball? Hey, listen, Carson Wentz was sacked eight times last week. Aaron Donald might sack him eight times himself this week. (laughs) You know, and that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but... When you look at what Aaron Donald is capable of doing, it's absolutely phenomenal. We've never seen an interior defensive lineman like him. He's truly special. And you know, Greeny, the the first year we had Get Up, I would come on and do basically entire segments on how much I love Aaron Donald. And I still do. But but when you look at Carson Wentz and what that Washington football team defensive front was able to do to him, that was a lot on him as well. Yes, they're a beat-up, patchwork offensive line, but he holds the football. He's sitting there trying to make plays, be more athletic than those D linemen. Well, he's not more athletic than Aaron Donald. And on the back end, the Rams are much improved. This could get bad really fast for the Philadelphia Eagles. And we could start hearing people say, this is just, this is just my hunch, we could start hearing people say that Carson Wentz may not be the quarterback of the future 
for the Philadelphia Eagles if this week goes the way last week went. And honestly, mm-hmm. really, I expect it too. If they do, they're going to have to fight Dan Orlovsky. We'll see. I can't think of them one without the other now, as he is the biggest member of that fan club. But I agree. That was a terrible loss last week, and we'll see what happens to them there. Okay, one more thing before I let you go. So for years and years, anyone who listened to us on the old show on Mike and Mike, Ryan Clark would come on. And my favorite thing, because we had the time to do is you would just tell great stories. I remember you telling me a story about RG3 once that was unbelievable. Your story about, about Aaron Rodgers beating you by an eighth of an inch in the Super Bowl was a great story. And the TV show, we just don't have time for that. So this, this felt like a good opportunity to resurrect that. I just want to hear a good RC playing story. The floor is yours. Well, I'm going to tell you, Greeny, this is my favorite Pittsburgh Steelers story. When I got to Pittsburgh, Chris Hope was the, a free agent safety that went to the Tennessee Titans, but that's who they'd won the Super Bowl with. I come in, I'm this new guy, and there was, everybody told me about the great friendship, friendships and chemistry in Pittsburgh. So in the offseason, they have a, a barbecue, a cookout at James Ferrier's house. He's the starting inside linebacker, one mm-hmm. of your Jets guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, at the, I'm, I'm, I'm at the cookout, Greeny, and you know, I'm trying to grab a beer and talk to the guys. And literally only one player talked to me. It's 20 to 25 guys over there, Greeny. No one said a word to me. I'm standing outside with James Ferrier. He's mm-hmm, uh-uh. And so I'm trying to figure out why in the hell won't anybody speak to me? So we're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, probably game three of the season. They throw a, they throw a slant route to one of their wide receivers, and I absolutely crush him. The ball pops in the air. Ike Taylor picks the ball off. He's running it back. So I'm fired up. I'm running to the sideline. And James Harrison runs out to me and goes, it's about time. Now you finally one of us. And I was like, <laughs> was that the freaking reason? Nobody ever talked to me in the offseason? And so we're in, we're in the, 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 the facility that next week. I'm sitting next to Larry Foote, man. And I, I started telling that story about the summer. I was talking about how James Harrison, you know, said I was one of them now. And Larry Foote goes, yeah, man, I'm not going to lie, bro. Like, we hated you. We loved Chris. Chris is our guy, and all I could remember about you is that the Washington Redskins, you got stiffed on by LaDainian Tomlinson for an overtime touchdown and ran off the field. He was like, so I was like, we replacing our friend with this guy? And then he said, but now bro, we watch you play for three weeks, you one of us. And so for me, that was kind of like coming in and realizing that those dudes truly were brothers. They missed their brother. They were replacing him with a dude they thought was soft. And until I proved myself, I wasn't one of them, and they weren't going to act like it. And so that was kind of my in- introduction into Steeler Nation. That's a great story. What year was that? That was 06. That was 06. 06, 2006. Right and you were there. Awesome. That's a great story. RC, you're the best. Have a great weekend, my friend. I'll see you Monday. My man, have a good one. That's the great Ryan Clark on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil Synthetic Motor Oils are made from natural gas, gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. That's such an interesting story. The Steelers are such a good organization, too. I spent some time on that. I think it was earlier this week. The day is kind of meld together now. Um, I will be honest with you, having the two shows, which I like very much, I enjoy the rhythm of this. I've got the morning show on the TV and then I've got the afternoons that I do with you here on the radio. And I really like it. And I like having this, the space uh, that I have here to talk about things, but I will confess, I have trouble keeping days straight. I don't, so I don't recall when it was I had this conversation, but I talked about how the Steelers are the model franchise in pro football because of the consistency 
because of that. And they, they get things right. Well, it must have been Tuesday after they played the game on Monday night. And they just did everything right. And I'm telling you, just to circle back to what we talked about a moment ago, I believe there is a big three in the AFC. I think the Steelers are going to be a tough out. And someone, so I was walking out the building today, uh, David Jacoby said to me from Jalen and Jacoby, he said, I don't, I'm not buying your bid on the Steelers at all. I was walking out the door. And I said to him, mark my words, they will play either Baltimore or Kansas City in the playoffs. They'll beat one of them. I don't know that Pittsburgh will get to the Super Bowl, but they will beat one of them. They'll have to play one or the other. They'll beat one of them. One of those two teams will lose to Pittsburgh. That is my prediction. You are cordially invited to Dell's semi-annual sale. Save an extra 17%, just like Dell employees, on XPS and Alienware computers with Intel Core processors, plus top-brand electronics and free shipping on everything. Call 800 by dell or visit dell.com slash semi-annual sale. That's 800 by buy dell All right, coming up, I can tell you exactly how the NBA's Western Conference Final is going to go. And more importantly, I can tell you why it's going to go that way, which I will do next. And I will also explain why we are, if anything, underselling one of the things that happened this week. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You just heard Christine Lisi tell you that Woj is reporting that Giannis is going to win the MVP award. That isn't a surprise, nor do I think it's an outrage. I told you leading up to the end of the season, well, the first time and then the second time, that I would not complain if Giannis won and he's going to win. And I'm not surprised. I knew he would. I would have voted for LeBron James. I believe that LeBron's performance this year was worthy of that. I do think the narrative has historically figured into these things, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I would have voted for LeBron, but again, I promised you I would not yell and scream if Giannis won the award, so I'm not going to do that. That will apparently be announced in the next half hour. Meanwhile, I can tell you what I believe is going to happen in the West Final, and I can tell you why. Because I've had one philosophy about NBA playoffs historically. And that is the further you go along in them, usually the teams that have had successful seasons already are the ones that tend to lose. So when you get to this point, if you look at the Western Conference, and I give Mike Malone a lot of credit. He's the coach of Denver, and he's a very good coach. And after they knocked off the Clippers the other night, he said, quote, I think the biggest question aside from themes and plays and personnel, is are our guys satisfied? Man, we just made playoff history. Down 3-1, down 3-1 again. Beat the Clippers, got to the Western Conference Finals for only the second time in franchise history. Take a breath. 
come up for air. Here's the point. Their season is a success. What the Nuggets have accomplished is a success. If they lose to the Lakers in five or six reasonably tough games, then we will come away from this saying, what a great run. Incredible that they beat the Clippers the way they did. Knocked off the favorites. Came from 3-1 down to beat Utah. Nikola Jokic is a true superstar. Jamal Murray has emerged. They have a legitimate one-two punch. And they're young. And they have that kid Porter Jr. And they're going to be really good. And we're going to walk away feeling great about them. And they will walk away feeling great about themselves. If the Lakers lose this series, it's Armageddon. It doesn't get worse. And usually, that team wins. Now, of course, that's not a hard, fast rule. Other things sometimes happen. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Greeny, didn't the Nuggets just beat the Clippers? Yes, they did. And what I will say is, I don't think the Nuggets feel they have a successful season if they lose that. If down 3-1 to the Clippers, if they lost that series in that fifth game when they were down 16, I don't believe they feel their season was a success. And I can't tell you that's the reason they came from 16 down to win that game but it probably didn't hurt. And if they're sitting there 16 down in game five against the Lakers and they know they've already accomplished more than anyone expected and that down deep inside, maybe they expected of themselves, maybe that makes a difference. I can't tell you it does or it doesn't. But my theory, I believe, holds up. Usually the team whose season has already been a success is the team to bet against. And so that's why I like the Lakers in six. By the way, LeBron James this week, first team all NBA again. No surprise, along with Giannis, Luka, Harden, and Anthony Davis. That's the all-NBA first team. LeBron James breaking a tie for most appearances on the all-NBA teams. He has been on one of the three all-NBA teams for 16 of the 17 years that he has been in the NBA. I went back and looked at it. His first year on one of those teams was in 2005. 2005, his second year in the league, he was second-team All-NBA. And so I started thinking about just how long he has been a great player. You know, when Tiger Woods won the Masters, I did an essay on Get Up in which I talked about how long he had been significant in the public eye. He won the Masters in 2019. He won his first Masters in 97. And I said when he won his first Masters, George W. Bush was the governor of Texas Tom Brady was the backup quarterback at Michigan. That's how long Tiger Woods has been in the public eye. But generally speaking, in golf, that tends to happen more, just because you can play longer. Now, they're playing longer and longer in all of these sports. Tom Brady's still doing it at 43 in the NFL. But that's still not the rule. It's still the exception. So I just was thinking about how long it's been, and I actually did an interview yesterday promoting uh, Better Days on uh, TSN in Canada. And credit to the host there, because he was the one who put this thought in my head. He was making this point, and so I went and did a few of my own. Think how long ago this seems. The year LeBron James was first on an all-NBA team was a year in which the San Antonio Spurs beat the Pistons in seven in the NBA Finals. Very quickly, do you remember that series? It took me a minute to remember the series. Larry Brown was the coach of the Pistons. That was the Pistons team that the year before had beaten the Lakers, the, the, the Shaq-Kobe-Lakers, and that's what set them to breaking up. That's when they traded Shaq. That was the stunning defeat. And then they came back the next year and they made the final, and they lost in seven to San Antonio. That feels like a million years ago. You know what else happened that year? The Chicago White Sox won the World Series. 
Remember that? How long ago does that seem? LeBron James was one of the 10 best players in the NBA then, and he still is. It's pretty remarkable. So I always liked the pop culture. So I looked up what was the number one movie at the box office that summer when LeBron James had been named to the second team All-NBA. Bubba, play me a clip from that movie. Hey, Mom! The meatloaf! The first time LeBron James made an All-NBA team, The Wedding Crashers was number one at the box office. we have any more Wedding Crashers? Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. <laughs> I love that movie. Give you, uh, uh, play them all. Whatever you have, play it. Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, Bradley, Co- here's how long ago it was. Bradley Cooper was the other guy in that movie. Bradley Cooper was the bad guy who you didn't even know and you hated with that short haircut. Bradley Cooper is now more famous than anyone else in that movie. He's more famous than Vince Vaughn now. More famous than Owen Wilson. Even Christopher Walken, I guess. So the point is, that's how long ago it was. I looked up what the number one song was on the Billboard Top 40 when LeBron James made his first All-NBA team. This was the song. <laughs> that, that is, how long ago does that seem? That's how long LeBron James has been the top of the basketball world. Hollaback Girl was the number one song. Wedding Crashes was the number one movie. It was the year the White Sox won the World Series and San Antonio with Tim Duncan and, and my buddy Bruce Bowen and all those guys knocked off Detroit in seven games to win the NBA championship. And LeBron, young LeBron James in his second year in the league was second team all NBA. And here he is all these years later with the runway cleared. The runway has been cleared. The carpet has been rolled out for the king. The stage is set. This is the perfect opportunity. And that is in no way to disrespect Jokic or Murray or any of those nuggets. But at the end of the day, LeBron is supposed to win this series. In the same way that the Clippers were supposed to win that series, the Lakers are supposed to win this. And as well as Miami is playing, and they are great, and I love Bam Adebayo, the Lakers should beat them too. The Lakers should win the championship and put a fourth ring on LeBron's finger and let that conversation continue. That GOAT discussion can continue this summer, 15 years after the wedding crashes and Hollaback Girl. All right, give me a call. My phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN, and here's what we're going to do. On the old show, we used to do Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks. I'm not going to do that here. So I'm going to let you do them. I want you to give me a Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock. I need it with the spread. If there's one game this weekend with the number that cannot lose, that you are positive, that you would bet your house is going to pay this weekend, I want to hear what it is and convince me that it's right. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. In the meantime, the last few minutes of our show today belong to you. Your Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock. So Mike and I used to do those. I'm not going to try and do a version of that. What I would like to do is ask you. All right, I'm coming to you on the phone here. When you give me a, a, a lock this weekend, a pick that absolutely cannot lose. Bobby, you're first up with Greeny. What is your Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock? Hey, Mr. Greenberg, I got the Giants uh, covering five and a half on Chicago for three reasons, really. One, Soldier Field is one of those places where the crowd really makes a difference. You eliminate that variable, a much more even playing field. And then you got two anomalies. One, Trubisky throwing for three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Never going to happen again. He's looking at more like a one touchdown, three interception kind of a day. And then holding Saquon Barkley to 16 yards or uh, 11 yards on 16 carries. It's absolutely not going to happen again. So you got a reinvigorated Saquon Barkley and a much more returning to form uh, Mitch Trubisky, and I think you got the Giants covering five and a half. I'll hang up and hear your take. Thanks a lot. I like it. I actually agree, Bobby. I, I picked it on TV this morning. I actually like the Giants to, for the straight-up win. I think the Giants win that game. Um, I think that, that offense is better than it looked. That Steeler defense is going to make a lot of offenses look really bad this year. I do like the Giants in that game. Plus the five and a half, and I actually like them straight up to win. Good call. Nick, you're next. Nick, what's your lock? I got uh, the Chiefs at eight and a half this week for a couple reasons. They're playing the uh, the Chargers. Last week we saw the Chargers only put up 16 points and barely beat Cincinnati, who just got rolled by the Browns. Points. Oh, I think the uh, Ravens. I think I lost your line there, Nick, but I, I got the gist of what you were saying, and I agree with it. Kansas City is going up. Kansas City with extra rest. They haven't played since a week ago Thursday. Extra time to prepare against a Charger team that, did, that struggled to score last week against a Cincinnati team that gave up 35 to the Cleveland Browns last night. I agree with you. Kansas City on the road. Not that the Chargers ever had much of a home field advantage anyway, but now they'll have none. And KC minus eight and a half. That's Nick's lock, and I like it. I go with it, too. Greg, you're next up with Greeny on ESPN Radio. What is your lock this week? Greg is gone, but we do have Jeff. Okay, Jeff, give me a lock. Greeny, lock. Las Vegas to win outright at New Orleans. John Gruden's been listening to ACDC for the last five days. He's going (laughs) to have his guys so fired up. It'll make the hair on your back stand up, and Greeny, even you, would probably run out on that field with a helmet on Monday night. I like the call. That game is actually in Vegas. It's the first game. It's Monday night. It's the first game in the new stadium in Las Vegas. Now, obviously, the atmosphere isn't going to be anything like what they had envisioned and what they hoped and what it eventually will be. But home field is home field, whatever it is. And they are big. What was the spread on that game? They're a six-point dog. Against the Saints. Diana Rossini told me this morning that there is hope Michael Thomas is going to play. He has the ankle sprain. Usually those are like three or four weeks. They're talking about him playing Monday night. We'll see what winds up happening. I I would say I kind of like the Saints in that, to be honest with you, and I think I would give the points. 
Joe is next up with Greeny on ESPN Radio. Joe, what is your lock? My my lock is the Dolphins to cover a six-point spread against the Bills. And this is coming from a Bills fan. We just found out that Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are going to be out. And as a Jets fan, you can talk about how good those two are. Mm-hmm. And also, Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's a reason why he's a journeyman quarterback. He'll look bad one week. He'll come back and surprise people. So uh, I think the Bills win the game, but Miami covers that six-point spread. Yeah, I'm looking. I got five and a half on, on the line I'm looking at here. I don't know. I, I will tell you, I was impressed with Buffalo last week, and, and I know that I have been crazy with the Jets this week. And look, part of that is that's just me. That's just who I am. And for those of you to whom I am new, you're just going to have to get used to it. I'm a fan like you are. And things make me mad, and I will not hold back that anger. Um, that said, I think the Jets played a really good team last week. I think the Bills are good. That defense, I think, is legit. I think that Allen is a good player, and I think they're using him well. I think that the acquisition of Diggs is a meaningful one. I think I like Buffalo giving the points in that game. I wonder how long it's going to be until we see Tua in Miami. I don't know when they want to go to him. We talked about that before the season. I don't know if it's two weeks and then they they feel that they can make the move or if it's more like six or eight. One way or another, I like Buffalo in that one. And I've really enjoyed this day. Thank you all for spending this day with me. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the sports. I'll see you back in Better Than Ever Monday on Get Up and right back here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.